CorporalNetwork.com. This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by listeners like you. Thanks for using the Tome's Amazon and d Classics affiliate links. Welcome to the Tome Book Club for May of 2014. The Tome is a D&D news reviews and interviews show, and I'm your Tome host, Tracy Hurley. And I'm your co-host, Jeff Greiner. In each book club episode, we discuss one D&D-related book, spoilers be damned, in full book club style, and our book for this May is the first half of The Sentinel by Troy Denning. And joining us for this episode is our regular contributor, guest, occasional guest host, Eric M. Paquette. Hello. Hello, glad to be back. Yay! (laughs) So in June, we'll finish The Sentinel. And if you want to join us for that or any other book club discussion, please don't hesitate to contact us. You can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com, and we can either discuss your thoughts on the episode or, if there's room, invite you to join us on the show. Just like listener Jeremy, who reached out to us to come on a future episode, uh, and we were going to try to get him on this episode, uh, and it didn't quite work out because, well, we're – are we all in Eastern time in the United States? I know Tracy and I are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm Eastern time in Canada. You're Eastern time Canada. So we're all Eastern time zone. Zone. Uh, and the, the working out the Brisbane-Australia time difference was just a little too much for us to reconcile this time. So I'm sorry, Jeremy. We couldn't get you on. Uh, we're going to try to make this happen at some point. So uh, you know, stay in touch. Um, hopefully this will be a good reminder for you to do so. And if anybody else out there wants to join us and try to reconcile our crazy time differences, please email or call into the biz line, which isn't listed there. Oh my gosh, the, the biz line, 919-BIZ-TOME, 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. Don't forget to call up there, too. All right. Should we get to the book? Sure. The sure. Sentinel. Go. <laughs> it, we're getting lots more information on talking about the Sundering and we're actually even mentioning in it about the separation. Like it's exactly this is the sundering is almost yeah yeah so. we're getting I mean we've always we've sort of had these hints that there was these conflicts going on but we never got any information about like the wars and all that mm. um, now we're actually starting to get some of that uh, you know Cormir is involved in a war with Netheril and then Symbia is of course tied with Netheril and and um, so we're getting some more hints about these conflicts and these wars and things going on yeah yeah and the sundering is the separation of two worlds ish. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we unofficially knew that, but or officially yeah. knew that, but we didn't know it through the books yet. Right. No, not imagine. One thing I also enjoyed that they, they pointed out was that they actually talk, make references to uh, some of the events that have happened in the previous book in this series, because they do mention about the Shar, uh, mention about uh, Rivalin. Mm-hmm. And his plan, Rivlin Tanthul from uh, from Shade, who was mentioned in the Godborn by Paul Born. Kemp. Yeah. So, and and we've so seen some of that too. Like the the Reaver referenced the adversary, but this is the first one that sort of dived back that far. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I guess one of the things I was told, I think it was Salvatore who told me that um, he really pushed to get Troy Denning on the team to do this because, and one of the reasons he said that was important to do is because Troy Denning is apparently very good at. Uh, collaborating in that way and integrating the setting uh, into his stories. 
at least, at least in Bob Salvatore's estimation. Yeah. And I thought that's pretty much true, at least mm-hmm. in the part I read. Yeah. Yeah, in the first half, he's, yeah. it's got really. I mean, I mean, he's he set his story in Cormier. He's got new characters, uh, with the exception of one who's sort of a, a bring over from something from a long time ago. He's basically got new characters. He could have put them literally anywhere in the world, and he instead decided to stick them in Cormier, which is. Loosely connected to the adversary, directly connected to the Godborn. I'm pretty sure it's going to be um, at least uh, one of the areas for the Herald. Like he put it right in the middle of the action. Right, which is the character? Yeah, which is the character that was from the past? Um, uh, was it Malik? Oh, Malik, 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 or yeah, Malik. Malik or Malik or whatever, however you want to say it. M A L I K. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, I did this time listen. To Did the book you? instead of reading it. Yeah. Okay. So they're, they're good, aren't they? The audiobooks. Yeah. I, I've enjoyed. Uh, I mean, every now and then there's little pronunciation things, but most of the pronunciation issues I've had in the last few books have nothing to do with the crazy fantasy of Forgotten Realms words. It's it's like normal words that that they pronounce in ways that I'm not used to. And he reads it at least this uh, uh, reader reader reads it uh, aloud as about as fast as I normally read it anyway. So. Oh, and I listen to everything at double speed, so I get to yeah. it really fast. Awesome. Yeah. I was afraid of not being able to concentrate, but I found that that wasn't so much of a problem. Good. That's awesome. No, I've 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 gone almost exclusively to to audiobooks or I, I at least I should say I probably do about 3 fourths of my reading through audiobooks now. Um and the the D&D ones have been pretty fantastic. Cool. But in any case, yes, Malik. Yes. Uh, Malik is. They reference to Malik as being the former seraph of lies, um, and and they they sort of allude to his connection, his former connection to Siric, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that's because Malik made an appearance in um, the post Time of Troubles series uh, that I I suspect Troy Denning worked on. I don't know that for a fact. Um, but I, you know, and so this was a character who he wasn't a major character. I mean, this was a series that focused on the gods. The gods were the characters, right? It was, right. It was the story of Mist- or of Midnight becoming Mistra, the goddess of magic. It was the story of Siric taking over as god of the dead, and then Kelimvor replacing Siric as the god of the dead, and Siric going on to being you know crazy and 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 all these other things. Uh, so it was sort of that story fo- focused on the gods and Malik, as I recall, and it was. I mean, it's probably been. 20 years since I've read it, 15 years since I've read it, maybe. Um, but Malik, as I recall, was, was um, you know, a high, a high priest or a prophet or whatever of the insane uh, Siric who was, uh, who was and, and is the, the god of, the lo- of lies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm at the Forgotten Realms wiki right now, and it's Pramelik El Sami Yin Nassar, a human former merchant from Kalasham, the Seraph of Lies, and a chosen of Siric. Yeah. Yeah, which which is interesting, right? Because as I'm re- as I'm listening to the Sentinel, uh, because he talks about being the chosen of Merkel, which is the former god of the dead, before Siric took over as god of the dead because Merkel was killed, and then Kelimvor took over from Siric, right? Um, but it makes me wonder: he was the seraph of lies. Is it possible he's not actually the chosen of a dead god, and that he's actually? The chosen of Siric still, and he's just lying about it the whole time. I think it's possible. I mean, and, and they even talk about how he. Uh, there's hints, right, that he has the ability to detect when other people are lying. 
Right. Like, like automatically as one of his powers as a chosen, he knows when other people lie. That <laughs> sounds like something that, that you know – when you're the chosen of the god of lies that you should be able to do. Not necessarily the thing that you should be able to do if you're the, the chosen of a dead god of the dead. Right. But yeah, he was in the book uh, Crucible, a Trial of Sir Damad by Troy Denning. Troy Denning, okay, yeah. I, and I really like those books. Um, as much as you know, they talk about loving to tell stories sort of down, down, down to the earth and, and you know, from the perspective of people who are being affected by these meddling gods, it was really fun and interesting to see a story written from the perspective of the gods. Cool. So talking about characters from elsewhere. So I don't know if this is true or not, but when I was reading it, I realized that for me, Joel Emmeline – Reminds me of the song Jolene. Oh. I saw, I, I read that when you wrote it on Twitter. The uh, the line I had to, I had to Google it up since I was not familiar with the song. Yes, yeah. so. but Fine. but the character in the song has flaming locks of auburn hair with ivory skin and eyes of emerald green. Oh yeah, that's. I mean, it, <laughs> it seems to fit. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, it, the her smile is compared to a breath of spring, and her voice is supposedly soft like summer rain. And and the whole song is about how th- this one woman, the singer, is begging with her not to to take her man. <laughs> and she, and, and she, she's the chosen of Sunni, right? Sue. Yeah. Yeah. Soon uh, Sunni. I never know when in the realms to add the e sound or not, but yeah. Yeah, and I th- I thought I saw someone else somewhere. I don't know if it's from later in the book that they picked this up or elsewhere that she's like the thief of hearts or something. Uh, well, yeah. So the, so Sunni's the uh, the goddess of beauty and love, right? Um, and and they sort of um, make. I mean, having four chosen because that's right. We have a, a cast of characters are basically four right now, and yeah. then like the monk who's sort of this add on, but not really a major thing at all in my in my estimation. Um, You've got a chosen of Soon. You've got a chosen of Merkel. I'm putting air quotes around Merkel. Um, you've got a chosen of uh, Siamorph, who's the god of nobility, who the. was always sort of a, a, I don't know, I never really thought much about, spent much time thinking about Siamorph. So it's interesting to get that side. And, and we got the chosen of Helm, oh, right, who's, yeah. a, who's a dead god also. Um, and, and so that's interesting because they even point out well, of course you would see this this way because you're seeing it from the perspective of your god and how, you know, w- there can there can be four different truths about s- somebody, right? That that to to um Malik who is a thief and the and possibly still connected to Siric, um who's all about lies and whatever, um of course he's going to see Sunni as um the thief of hearts, right? Right. Particularly because his heart already belongs to her. Uh, well, again, supposedly. <laughs> Seraph of lies. Let me just reiterate that. <laughs> I also find it interesting because of the, the – you've got this interesting love triangle thing going on, right? Um, and, and Quadrangle. Quadrangle. Yeah, you're right. Um, and and it, it's interesting to me because – is it – is it jo- not, now you got me wanting, wanting me to say Jolene? Joel, <laughs> Joel, Emmeline, Joel, Joel. Um, 
really like needs um, the 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 chosen of Helm to sort of fall in love with her for this mission she has to work. Yeah, well, it's not necessarily. Yeah. It doesn't have to be of Helm, but whoever it is, she apparently is going to maybe not make it through. Right, but but see, that's where it's actually interesting to, for me because this is a, where the story is actually emulating. Um, what happened with the gods when when during that hundred year skip that we had with the the spell plague, um, there was this sort of background story that we never really got about how Helm and Soon or Suni or whatever um, fell in love and then Tyr got jealous and in a fit of passionate rage as gods you know are wont to do, um, one of them actually you know, Tyr actually accidentally killed Helm. And that's why Helm doesn't exist anymore. That's why he's a dead god. Right. Right. Well, now we have a situation where the Chosen of Soon needs the Chosen of Helm to fall in love with him. And it's going to mean – that love is going to mean him being sacrificed in you know, mirroring what happened with the god. Right. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you also have Joel giving a speech to Malik about what the nature of love Mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Although it's hard because like, I, I want to think it's a really cool thing, but on the other hand, she's kind of undercutting a lot of it because oh, yeah. of the way she is. Sure. <laughs> Cause she's always charming people. Like she works her charm on them to get them to do what she wants. And then she even admits later on that, yeah, you know, he's going to, you know, if you were, if Malik was to be the, the person to fall in love with her, and he would have to be willing to do the ultimate sacrifice. Right. Well, and ultimately that whole scenario uh, – and and um, I keep remember forgetting his name too. It's really short. The the paladin yeah. or the – Cleef. Cleef. Yeah. Cleef. Yeah. Uh, so Cleef – her her deal with needing Cleef to fall in love with her also feels very much like her using love as a tool, mm-hmm. not, not like genuinely understanding love. Well, and there's even a, at least one place where she talks about uh, being torn. Cause so part of this book is about uh, being torn between obligations to the gods and obligations to the people in your life. Yeah. And the one where she's torn yeah. is that she knows that she has to do this with Cleef, but she also has feelings for him. Right. Which is also a little – I mean her connection to – as a person to others feels weaker to me. Like I don't yes. feel like I know her or that I feel like she actually cares about people at this point. Maybe because she is a mystery. Maybe because we don't know her very well. Maybe we're not going to know her very well. I don't know. Maybe it's intentional. Maybe it's not. We, we, we don't know because we only read the first half. But Yeah. Yeah, think- she's, she's a very newish character and – and she just doesn't feel very developed. The other three, I oh. feel like I've got a pretty strong grasp of who, who they are, but she just feels like I just don't get her yet. She feels just like an archetype to me. A little bit. Uh, and not necessarily a character, which is one of the difficulties I think I have with the book because all of them kind of are. Uh, some of them are a little more developed. But so um, I thought there were three – I mean there's there are at least three themes in the book. One was the whole obligations thing because we also have it with Arietta uh-huh. uh, with her mother talking about how, well, you know, your god says that you should follow your liege and, you know, and your liege is your father and he says to get on the boat, darn it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, then she feels like she has an obligation to her people to go and help right. her and protect yeah. them. Right, because she's also nobility. Well, 
So. Yeah, she also believes that her her dad, her lead, has an obligation to the people to protect them and all that, which right, uh, right. all that. So, and then uh, two other things that I feel get explored a lot in the book are class differences and tensions, and also gender, because. Uh, there's the whole scene with her mom. It's also, she's like, I thought, I forget the name of the god or goddess now, gave me a daughter. Cyamorph? Mm, maybe. The, but god- it was like, the goddess of nobility? It was like, gave me a daughter. Uh-huh. Like, specifically calling out, the, and also says that maybe this, this like, I think it was her headstrongness was the, the reason why she was still uh, not married at 24. <laughs> yeah, and, then she, and she goes out uh, with her bow and very un sort of womanly sort of sorts of things. It's a little bit um there's a little like there's hints of brave separated out into different places here, right? Right. She she's the archer who who doesn't fit into her role as a noble woman sometimes, even though she's the chosen of the goddess of nobility. Um and then uh Joel is at least her description very much feels like a grown up um the character from Brave for me, you know, right? Like the character from Brave grew up and became a, became a, a stunningly beautiful woman, you know. The the thing that really that kind of got to me a little bit in the book in in talking about Arietta was just so she's headstrong. She knows how she goes hunting, but she's not quite strong enough to actually stop the the boar and things like she only has a hunting bow instead of a proper bow. But yet, people her somebody is training her. Uh, and they give her, she calls them like, like basically false pleasantries. Like, oh yeah, you're doing great. You're doing wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then, um, also nobody bothered to tell her that she had to cut the heads off the shades. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just kind of, well, I th- and I think, I think that's part of her, like that's part of her growth, right? That's, that's kind of the point um, is that she's been but- sheltered and, and to, to a degree they've sort of. They sort but she of, hasn't. Well, I, th- I feel like she's mostly been sheltered, but they they've played along, you know. But uh, she has oh, because we'll, we'll, almost... we'll, we'll we'll let you go out and do your bow thing, but we're not going to really let you do it for real. We're going to shelter you and protect you and make sure you know it, it's not something you're using for war or any of that. It's it's just a hunt, uh, and 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 we're going to give you this training, but you know they're just going to keep keep piling on the falsities and. No, and I understand how it. It can kind of maybe make sense in story, although I I disagree because she's still going out on on dangerous hunting trips where she almost gets killed by a boar. But um, I don't think I think it weakens the story to me that have her choose to be that sheltered where uh, even like the regular guards know enough to cut off the heads, but she doesn't. Well, but see, I don't know that. Like I don't think she's not choosing to be that sheltered. I don't think. I think she wants to be out there. Um, you know, she got herself into a situation. I mean, you can, I can go walking down the street and get myself into a dangerous situation, and that happened to happen with the boar. But I think generally she's been sheltered, and that's what we're getting from her is the story of her um, getting out from under that shelter and, I, and, I get and that. living that real world. Yeah. I'm just saying that I think it's a weak story. Okay. And it undercuts the other things he's trying – I think he's trying to do in the whole gender conversation. But – Okay. Yeah, I mean I, I haven't had that experience but um, but I also don't know where the story is going, right? If, if she doesn't have that growth, then yeah, that's going to be weak and, and be a problem. Um, but I feel like she's going to get that growth, right? I feel like she's already starting to grow. 
I mean, so my problem is, is basically they've set up the whole uh, um, virgin harlot setup with her because she's been so so protected. Uh, because like we know that she's had a few suitors, but it's never seemed to be anything like that she has that much experience with. Mm-hmm. Other than the very brief glimpse we get of her singing. Yeah, that she goes out into the to the taverns and, and performs under a false name. Yeah. As a bard. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also interesting because I feel like she's – like I don't know how many characters we get that I would class of – class, you know, give them a class of bard. And I think she's actually, you know, I think she's a bard. <laughs> Which also explains why she's not so good of a fighter because, you know, bards aren't. She could be a warlord. She could. Could be a warlord. I think she's or, a bard. <laughs> I uh, in uh, fourth edition there was that archer bard too that there existed. Was. So, but the, but this is a this is the the new edition. I mean, it's it's pretty rare that they actually outright call somebody out on their class, and they specifically call her a bard. <laughs> so, right. I'm going to yeah. say she's a bard. <laughs> you know, I'm going to say the other guy probably a monk because they keep calling him a monk. <laughs> so. The other guy who whose name escapes me and is almost non-existent in the story. Is yeah, Jang or something. Yeah, that's right. See, right. now that I've, I listen to it, I can remember names better. Mm-hmm. And that's that's actually one of the um, that's one of the characters I wish was you know an actual character. I don't know what his role is other than you know if something's going to happen to him and he's going to be uh, you know he, his whole point of existing is probably going to be to affect somebody else. Yeah, and and it's hard because be the, sacri- the sacrificial victim. Yeah, because <laughs> in listening to it, sometimes they would suddenly mention him, and I had totally forgotten. Like, he oh existed. yeah, he's here. He's a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, wait, who's this character? Oh, right. Is this party is not wick? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> what? So uh. when when they were um, the big bridge scene where they all sort of came together and met each other for the first time. Right. Um, yes. The the guards were all suddenly inspired to to perform this duty that they otherwise wouldn't have been. Right. That, you know, they were all yeah. before they were all. You know, yeah, I'll do my job, but only if I'm getting bribes for it. Right. Now suddenly it's like, oh, you want me to go on this voyage and whatever for for no pay and and blah blah blah, blah whatever. I'll do it because it's the right thing to do. Um, who do you think was actually manipulating them? I don't know. Cause Cause I, like, I feel like three of them theoretically could have been. Well, I can think of... I was thinking two. I was thinking of Cliff and uh, Arietta because of their gods. Miss yeah, Yamorf would be for their Joel duty. Jo- Joel was charming everybody left and right without even trying. True. I think because yeah. Arietta, uh, she she took credit for it. Yeah. Right. The, oh, they did it because because of the influence of of my god. Yeah. But my instinct when I when I saw it happening was it was it was it was Helm, because Helm's the god of duty and they're city yeah. guards. Sort of. Well, I mean that's their job. They're supposed to be city <laughs> guards. <laughs> yeah. Well, but she has that whole thing with uh, Cleef where she is upset that he even had to pay them extra gold to do it. 
because uh, I don't know if you remember. Mm-hmm. And, and and she's like, uh, well, I guess they earned every every piece of it or something. Yeah. But it upset her that they would even have to be paid extra. Yeah. But there's also. Plus, there's also the fact that Cliff doesn't even believe that he is a chosen of Helm or has any abilities, too. Right. So. Well, yeah. There's mm-hmm. a whole lot of, like, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, no, yeah, you. Oh, no, it just, it just seems like there's a whole lot of that in a way. Like, he doesn't really believe he is a chosen. Everyone else lies. <laughs> yeah, or at least... Always, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put money on. He is actually a chosen of Cyric right now. (laughs) He's been, he's been in chosen Cyric before. (laughs) I I think, I think, um, Merkel is not coming back. That's not in the plans, and it's all a lie. And he's actually the chosen of Cyric this whole time. And then and and this thing is full of gods, right? I mean, you got those four yeah. that we've brought up, but then the whole quest is to to get the eye of Grumsh, Grumsh. off yep. to to these this temple of uh, was it Grumbar? Grumbar, yes. Get, get it off to the temple of Grumbar, who's who's the the god of the earth, in order to satiate his love with some other god whose name escapes me right now. And then meanwhile, the whole thing is trying to be intercepted which, by agents of Shar. But those, that's, which is another love triangle though, with the, the gods. Oh yeah. Because it, I, I'm also forgetting her name, but it was the lover of Grumsh who also happens to like the other guy. Yeah. If I recall correctly, it's a it's a crazy like there are so many gods like I'm all about the realms and I know most of the gods pretty well. Um, I'm having trouble keeping up with all of them sometimes, <laughs> you know, especially the ones that aren't on camera a lot, like that one. Like, the, did the, I misunderstand it? No, 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 no. I think you're fine. Uh, but the the Grumbar and whoever the goddess is relationship is one that I'm like I can't again I can't remember her name and I feel like I know the gods yeah. pretty well. Uh, yeah, I'm at I'm at Grumbar's Forgotten Realms wiki, and they don't seem to mention yeah, that, that. May have been something he made up for the story. Yeah, I mean, they mention other ties with Earth, Elemental Earth, like Geb, Gargilgorl, Dumatoin, yeah. Ladugur, Rogalan, but are loose at best. Yeah. Opposed to Akadi. No, I don't know. Yeah. It's all then, a, it's all a bit of a I mean the whole thing is a bit of a jumble story anyway, right? It's basically yeah. let's let's us agents of this of these other gods get this thing an artifact of of another god to this temple of another god from a completely unrelated other god. You know? <laughs> you know? It's like wouldn't the agents of of that other god be the best pick for for delivering this thing or at least I can see where Sunni fits in, right? As the goddess of of love. Um, um, but why are the others? You know, why is Malik? Why does she? Why does he care? Right. Apparently, he's being used to carry this. Otherwise, it would be way too dangerous for oh, that, anybody else. Because yeah. since he's the most evil, which again, com- has- which again comes back to me, he's the chosen of Cyric. 
he's evil, as you just mentioned, he's got another goal in mind. Like something's going to oh, go down with him. He's yeah. going to betray oh, him at some point. There's an yeah, end goal. He, he's going to certainly betray the, the group and somehow don't fa- I don't think he'll be, be betrayed the group to Shar. Who's no. the ones that are knows? But he, there's probably a, a, a group that has not been identified yet that will show up later or, on. Or he's just the singular agent of Siric here, and he's going to try to t- twist the whole thing to to benefit Siric <laughs> instead of everybody else. Yeah. All right. But uh, another thing I remembered is when they describe about taking uh, the Eye of Grumsh. This, from the scene when they have a small description, it it gave me a basically reminded me of the cover was the TMG or the Player's Handbook when no one the adventurers are grabbing the eye from that that statue. The statue, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, the the old DMG. Yeah, the old DMG. That imagery when I read that, I was like, hey, that cover. <laughs> yeah, them sneaking into the temple and, and snatching oh. this out. Any other thoughts? We have another ship chase. We do. Yeah, we're, yes. we're, we're, we're enjoying our time with, uh, with seafaring, aren't we? Yes. yes. No Umberly? I think there's like a passing mention ever. But I can't remember. Uh, well, cause they, they, he references what's going on um, in the other sea. Right. Also, I was wrong. The statue is the player's handbook. I wanted to look because people, somebody was going to call me out on it. Okay. It's not the DMD. It's the, it's the old player's handbook. It's the, player's, it's the old player's handbook. Uh, but yeah. no, I think there's just a passing re- reference to um, this thing. Umberly's doing this thing up in this other spot. Right. You know, so that, you know, it's just another of him referencing yeah. the rest of the Sundering. Yeah. But, uh, but the, all the uh, so far with every single story being about shows and all that, I'm sort of expecting the the, the new Forgotten Realms that basically when you play that the characters, the player characters, are actually going to be the chosen for your group. Uh, see, I think I think um, the new realms is going to have a lot less chosen. I think they're going to go the other way. I think it, something's going to happen and they're all going to burn out or, you know, or whatever. And suddenly there's going to be a lot fewer chosen in the world Oops. after all this is over. Okay. Or maybe well, not. Maybe they'll, they'll be chosen, but I don't, think, I don't think you'll be playing chosen unless you specifically design a campaign that way. Or they'll just have conversations with each other in front of the PCs for a while. In front of the PCs and, and then they'll make all the decisions. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're actually going to go that direction, but I know the last one, no. we, the last uh, product we reviewed had a little bit of that. Oh well, if that used to, back in the second edition days. That was commonplace, and it was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, so the, the sundering is sort of um, as, as they've described it is sort of wrapping up this time of turmoil in the realms that started with the time of troubles. If you go back and look and and play through the time of troubles adventures, the whole thing is basically you follow the characters around from the novels and watch them do stuff. Right. (laughs) I've heard about this. Yeah, I own own them, and I thought about converting them and running them, and then I looked looked through it, and it's like, no, no, somebody told me it was like that, and and now that I've read through it, no, that's exactly what it is. You're just running encounters to keep other things out of their way, so they can, you know, keep saving the day. So they can do the thing that they need to do, and... 
Yeah. 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 It's pretty pretty horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I do have a game. I, I do have an adventure scenario for a campaign, uh, the Great Pendragon campaign, that has elements of that, but also for the mm. same encounters, you can also do the other way where you you ignore what was in the books and basically the players are the one doing the stuff. So yeah. they give you the two options, depending on which route that their group wants. So those are good for design, but we're digressing to something else. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, and I think um, what we're seeing here, I don't think we're going to see a situation where, from this book where the realms is going to become a place where you just play Chosen all the time. But I, I suspect Chosen will be a thing, like especially the ones who are characters that we are introduced to through the books. They will, you know, they. You can always introduce them in your stories as NPCs or whatever. Um, there may be rules for making characters become chosen, and that's something that people have been doing since the second edition days. Um, so that's not a huge deal either. I don't think it'll be necessarily the theme. Yeah, well, and so like I think the conversation about the design and everything is is partially on the side, but I'm not sure anymore given how they're trying to integrate everything kind of mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Between the D and D encounter series and like, and those are a lot of the adventures you will buy. It seems through Wizards, at yeah. least so far. Yeah. Well, uh, and, that, and that's part of why I say I don't think that's the direction they're going in terms of making everybody chosen. Because yeah, because yeah. those adventures, what we know of them, doesn't make it feel like the characters are, you know, godly or or even nece- you know necessarily required to be that connected to the gods. Right. So. I mean, it deals with gods, right? Because the first yeah. big storyline is, is deals with Tiamat, but yeah. as a villain, not as you know, the one who you're not as a patron. So, oh. where's it going next? I, I think we're at that point. Where do we think the Sentinel is going, going to head? I've already made my prediction. Malik is a chosen of Sirik. He's going to betray the party and try to spin the whole thing to, to benefit him. That's my big prediction. Yeah. I think Arietta learns that she doesn't have to fall for the male, main male protagonist that doesn't smell uh, and finds love elsewhere. I don't know. How about, how about this? The person who falls in love with Joelle and sacrifices herself is Arietta. Could happen. Yeah. I just dropped that on you. <laughs> Could happen. So, but so so we're not saying that Jang will be the one who will fall in love and does have to be the sacrifice, as he seems to be just there. <laughs> I mean, Jang is such a non-character. Right? If he ended up being the big sacrifice, it'd be like, eh, who cares? Like, it, yeah, has, no, it has no punch. No, it doesn't have any punch, and hopefully, it's not. But we'll see. Uh, I'm trying to remember who the mean bad guy is right now. It's like ever- it's one of the uh, the princes of shade. Yeah. Oh. Maybe he could die. Um, um, it was, in fact, it was the same from the Godborn. It was the same guy, it, the Chosen of Shar. It was his dad. His dad uh, made the appearance, right? Okay. Wasn't he sort of the one manipulating a lot of this? Or at least he showed up. Like there was the main bad guy, but but the the one guy, the Shade Prince dad guy, like showed up and was you know the real boss of the big bad guy. Right. So, but but which actually I like yeah. because we have a sa- a similar, you know, over villain, if you will, uh, <laughs> weaving throughout multiple books. Well, that shows up here, and it's like I I need your uh, your some of your guys. Yeah. yeah. How how could you leave this unprotected? 
Hmm. But you know, I don't. But yeah, I don't think that. I think Clef will still just be there. Uh, I can't imagine Cleef uh, sacrificing himself in the in in the same book he was introduced. Because no. I, I know a lot of authors and the realms especially are all about continuing stories and continuing characters. You know, yeah. I'm sure they would love for Troy Denning to continue writing Cleef novels for for years yeah. to, years to come. And also, I remember first the interview with uh, Bob Salvatore where he mentioned that he was looking like all these books as the first of a trilogy for their books. So sure. they could, so that opens up that. Their characters. So, yeah, yeah. I don't think that Clef will be the sacrifice. Uh, I don't think he'll be go with Arietta either. I think he's going to, you know, he'll find his duty is not it's just to be there as a protector, as being there mm. for folks. Yeah. Well, oh. plus, he lives in, in that society where he has to reach a certain level before he's allowed to have a wife anyway. <laughs> and, and I think it's also interesting. Um, I, I think it would, or I think it would be interesting if. Cleef is intended to be the sacrifice and then doesn't, right? To to break that cycle that, that started with his god and, and her god, right? That we're not going to, to go down the same route they are. We're not going to make the same mistakes they did. And we're not going, you know, we're not going to continue that cycle. They're going to make their own choice. They're, they're going to make their own choice and do something different. I think that would be awesome. So does anybody else find it interesting that um, we have a novel about a, a paladin or, or whatever um, follower of Helm, a dead god who's coming back and, and, and whatever, um, which sounds at a premise very similar to what we saw from Eric Scott DeVee's novels? I mean, isn't that what Shadowbane was? A follower, if not chose, chosen, of Helm, and and slowly yeah. working towards the idea of Helm coming back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just just curious if, if that was a thing. So. So we, if we can, Oh, go ahead. Get an yeah, get an opportunity in the future for collaboration between Scott B and Troy Denning for Cliff and Shadowpin novel. <laughs> The heartthrobs of Helm. <laughs> <laughs> There's a title right there. It's done. <laughs> See, I was I, I like that a lot because I was I was fearful that this meant that there's no no hope of ever ever seeing another Shadowbane novel that Cleef and Troy Denning have just sort of taken that slot. Yes, <laughs> and it's like just as yeah, Shadowbane can be Batman and. Cleef can be Superman, so like the Batman versus Superman. I can see that, yeah. So, so Jeff. Yes. Back when we were first studying these, one of your big questions was, "Do you think this could have been written outside the realms?" What do you think? No, no, no. I, th- I feel like Troy has done a really good job of making this a realm story. If nothing else, the fact that you've got so many realm specific gods connected to the whole thing and that tangled web and and how it's all connected to these other other books and and into the, you know the setting and all that i feel like it's very much um it, it can only be a, a realm story in fact i if i as i look back on it that's probably true of most of the sundering books the sundering books in general have been pretty good about connecting themselves to the realms 
there are some other books that we've done for the book club um, or previously for reviews, and that wasn't the case. Um, from authors I really liked, but and they were good stories. They just weren't stories that had to be realm stories. But um, I feel like this one is definitely a realm story. Cool. Does it does it tell us anything more about about the realms? Does it add anything to the realms that that we didn't otherwise know? Well, for purposes of the novel, like I said at the beginning, it tells us about more states out about the sundering, about the separation, mm-hmm. about about what's coming up, and there's there's a big shakeup, uh, which we haven't had been that direct in the books. Until now. It's, it's interesting um, as you bring that up because I stumbled upon an analogy yesterday as I was thinking about this uh, that I think I'm, I'm afraid is going to work out to be fairly true. The Sundering series has, has in my mind, been pretty good as a whole. I've, I've enjoyed pretty much all the stories. Um, and, and, and they've been great. Um, but I don't think we're ever going to find out what caused the Sundering. And so I think the Sundering series is going to kind of be the the fantasy novel version of Lost. A really good story that never really tells us the one thing we wanted to know. Right? I'm a little I'm a little afraid that's what's going to happen. I don't think we're ever going to find out what causes the Sundering, just like we never found out what the heck the island was. Well, to, to make a connection to, to to one of your other shows, isn't that going to be your your pretty adventurous that causes the sundering in your Forgotten Realms fate adventure that you're going to be doing? Yeah, but I already did that one. It didn't work out that way. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> Darn. Yeah. Foils again. No. Uh, possibly, uh, or depends. What does it say for the Herald? Because the, uh, the prophecy, they always say something. Yeah, they talk. About, they deal with the prophecy. Like this prophecy was introduced in Salvatore's books, yeah, um, before the Sundering and his first book of the Sundering. And then I don't think we've heard the, the from the prophecy since. And it's going to come back and, and be a thing again in the Herald. Ed mentioned that in his interview yesterday, which is already released, so I don't mind spoiling that. But okay, because right now when the battle is. For this book, when the battle is lost, the quake-tossed battlefields unwitting, the seizing legions march, but the sentinels flees with once proud royalty, directing, protecting the devotion's fragile heart. Which, yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing that in this book. Uh, so, so last, did they put the Sundering Prophecy in, in all of the books? Yes. At the, at, the, at the start of every book so far, uh, before the first chapter, they have the, pro- the, the, the whole prophecy. I don't think Plus, it's. I don't think it's been in the audio the, audio, the audiobooks at all. Okay. I don't think uh, so. That's unfortunate. For the herald, yeah, yeah, for the herald is when the ending draws near, with ice lock stars unmoving, the threefold threat await, and the herald proclaims in war wreck misery, announcing the dying of an age. So. Yeah, I, I found it on the uh, the Forgotten Realms wiki here. So. All right. So yeah, it doesn't seem to be indicating if we're going to really learn about uh, what what caused the sundering. What caused, unless the herald proclaimed his proclamation mentions because the herald is usually 
sent from someone. Mm-hmm. So. And, I'm, and I'm presuming the Herald is Elminster and, the, and that he will be announcing the, the dying of an age. Yeah. The dying of this, this age of turmoil and the entering of a new age of, of relative calm and peace. But announcing on, on behalf of who? I'm going to say Mistra. I don't think that's much Mistra. of a stretch. <laughs> that seems to be our answer a lot. That my predictions are not much of a stretch? No, no, no. no. Mistra. Mistra. Well, it's... Like in all, most of the novels we've read. Ed, Ed Greenwood has been telling the story of the return of Mistra for like three or four novels now. Yeah, and, but it's not just him. Has she, has she been a thing, a major theme in the other books? Not, not necessarily Sundering books, but I thought we read a few for either reviews or the book club where... Yes, uh, like the uh, that dwarf one, the underground dwarf one with the, for the, the spider queen. Um, that one... And the dwarf was a ha- dragon. Yeah, the dwarf was a dragon, uh-huh. but one of the characters was spellplague and dealt with... Mistra and oh sure and then, oh yeah, yeah yeah that was that was a thing there with the the yeah. orb the thing that she got yeah yeah I do remember that and they seem to be indicating the return of Mistra in that well, one Mistra has pretty much been um, the most meddling and interesting god in the realms pretty much since the time of troubles I think um, and it's probably all Ed's fault because he keeps telling stories about her her chosen right. <laughs> Um. So she so also fair. she also has the advantage of being the most recently mortal, right? Her and Kelimvor and Siric are the three that were most recently mortals, and and remember what it was like. Still remember what it's like to be mortal, and and probably more relatable than the others. Mm. All right. Well, any other thoughts on the Sentinel for the first half? Tracy, did you ever make a prediction about what was going to happen? Mm, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm just torn still on the whole book, but we'll see. Well, that's okay. That's better than than some other reactions, right? Well, <laughs> you're not at this point com- completely upset with it. You're you're waiting to see what happens. Yeah, I'm a little upset with it, but we'll see. Maybe <laughs> maybe it pulls it off. But yeah. I, I mean, for me, it was also hard to listen to it right after. The uh, the mass killing. Oh yes, sure. And having some of this stuff like uh, feel Mal- a little too close. Malik's talking about how any woman who has forsaken him has kind of pretty much lived to regret it. So yeah, <laughs> so sure. that was a little weird too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what, what, what I read that too, I was like, whoa. Okay. Which is, which is an, an unfortunate coincidence. I mean, it's not like Troy Dinning yeah. knew that that would be no, the no, case I, 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 <laughs> a I, year ago when he wrote it. Acknowledge that the the book came out uh, April first, so or something like that. And even if it didn't come out April first, it was written like twelve months ago. <laughs> but, so. but but anytime you read a book, it's a conversation like yes. with, with the current time. Well, and like and with you, like you add to the book as much as the, yes. almost sometimes as much as the author does. Absolutely. So. So yeah, so I will fully admit that that is going on in the background of me re- of me reading it. So, yep. Cool. It certainly added some more detest on Malik's part, making <laughs> more evil than well, maybe he is supposed to be that evil too. 
<laughs> yes, yes. we don't know a lot of stuff and like she has that great speech about what love really is but she's totally just charming people whenever she feels like no, it absolutely. and, and she, having them kind of fall in love with her she is a huge hypocrite and i think that's part of i think that that be her being a flawed character in that way is interesting oh yeah i don't think that's necessarily um a fault of the story i think that's that's her being that flawed her being a hypocrite in that way is 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 a, a, a quality, you know, a feature. Mm. I disagree, but it's fine. But I like flawed characters. I like flawed characters too. They, I don't think they, she they has could, to be flawed in that way, though. But she is, and some people are. Yeah, but it's also a creation of the the writer, right? But it's not unrealistic to say that that people can't aren't flawed that way. Well, but you just don't want to read a story about a character who's flawed in that way. Well, and. Like, I, I don't know if it was a... I don't know how much the author thought about it, because it's such a troop. Mm. Sure. It's a stereotype. It is. Yeah. So, and that's and that's my thing. is like, I like flaws. I like it a little more when characters don't have the obvious one that you would think for them, sort of thing. Sometimes, I like, yeah. sometimes I like the obvious. Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes the obvious, and sometimes the trope is a trope because there's there's, you know, there's something there that, that rings true. To some people, yeah, sure, absolutely. No, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, and then it doesn't to me, mm. but it's fine. Sure. <laughs> okay, we've talked around it enough. <laughs> Let's go ahead and wrap this up then. Unless anybody has any last thoughts they want to talk about. I'm good. All right, then we want to thank Eric for joining us. You can find Eric over at Eric Impact. Is that right? Yes. Eric Impact at Twitter or on Twitter? Uh, on Twitter, yes. Uh, and I also want to thank our listeners for using our affiliate links over at thetomeshow.com and clicking on through to Amazon or D&D Classics to, you know, help support the show while you're there. Sweet. And if you'd like to contact us, you can send us an email at thetomeshow at gmail.com or call us on our biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And if you want to find show notes or other great Tome Show shows, head on over to thetomeshow.com. And that is our thoughts for the first half of The Sentinel. Next month, we'll read the second half. Uh, until then, keep turning the page, Tomites. I'm on the wall.